Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haperset would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. Please put the seat belt on. You cannot run away. No, I'm kidding. Today, I'll bring back the series called The Way to Victory. This series is a heavy subject. That's why I ask you to put the seatbelt on. You cannot run away. We finished the series, Super Abundant Life. I taught three sermons on the way to victory. But I stopped for a while because I noticed so many people could not handle this teaching very well in this church. People like to hear something tickle their ear, have good time. Actually, when I read the sermon this weekend, Friday, Saturday, getting ready to preach, I feel that, wow, this is a heavy message. Should I preach this? People may be scared. People may not be happy with me. But people need to know the truth, and the truth shall set them free. Amen. Why are we talking about the way to victory? Why do we have to learn about the way to victory? If you, I want to give some background first. When you look around in this world, this world is full of the enemies of your souls. The enemies include Satan, fallen angels, demon, or evil spirit. The enemy is your own flesh, your own sinful nature. And the enemy is the world system. We are not in heaven yet. We are living in the realm of curses and darkness and attacks of the enemy. You look around you. You look at what happened in Paris. You know that is not from God. What happened in Paris, it came from the devil. The darkness wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So we are in the battlefield. We either become defeated or we know the way to get to the victory. The Bible gives us the principle of how to get to victory and live a victorious life. Actually, the biblical principle is so important, spiritual principle. Just in the past six months, I have seen two cases in my life. Both of them are not Christians in the hospital. The principle in the book of Proverbs, which say, the power of life and death is in your tongue. It's written in the Bible. Spiritual principle. I went to Harborview Hospital a few months ago to visit a gentleman about 55 years old, running business and uh, had diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. And the doctor told him to control all these things, and he said, you know, I'm not going to control all these things. I'm going to do whatever I want. I want to enjoy my life. I'm going to eat whatever I want, and I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't care what the doctors say. This is what the wife told me. And if I can live for two years, I'm happy. That's what he said. He just made that comment many times to his family. Within two years, he got a big stroke in his brain. Not more than two years. Just at the end of two years, he got a big stroke. And I look at the scan as a neurosurgeon. This is unsalvageable. He's going to die. Bad stroke. And he died. Two days ago, 
Maybe three days ago, I was called to the emergency room at Overlake Hospital. I saw a man, 72 years old, on no, uh, November 11. 72 years old. I look at the scan. The man was active, was doing aerobic water exercise five days a week with his wife. Very active, very disciplined man, very disciplined in exercising and taking, him, taking, taking care of himself. No trauma, nothing. By afternoon, he had headache. And that evening, he became unconscious. So when he showed up in the emergency room, he has a big clot over the brain, huge clot pushing the brain. And that clot usually came by trauma, not by just lying in the bed. This happened spontaneously. And when I told the wife that, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to perform surgery, I don't think he's going to make it. He's going to be a vegetable in a nursing home, not worth to do it. And the wife looked at me and said, you know, doctor, his dad died at 72 years old on November 13. And he kept telling me out of this 54 of marriage, I believe I'm going to die before my dad. Death. 72. November 11, he got the stroke, got a bad problem, and he died before his dad. One or two days. The power of death, a life is in your tongue. So we come to church, we come to learn spiritual principle. I'm not teaching you mathematics, neurosurgery, science, and all this stuff. You can learn from school. The church teaches you the biblical spiritual principles so that you can have victory in this lost and dying and dark world. This is a dark world that we live in, full of demons and attacks from darkness. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. Everyone say perish. The world full of darkness, sin, and all the things that come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. People can either be victorious or people can perish. But that all should come to repentance. Repentance, according to this scripture, is the way out of perishing. If you want to get out of perishing, or destruction, or any bad things that happen to you and me, we need to repent. We need to repent. Are you glad that the Lord is patient and long-suffering toward you and me? Even though we make mistakes, we sin against Him, but He's still patient with us, waiting for us to repent and turn around. I'm so impressed with the patience of God, and long-suffering of God. I know that when my patience is running out, His patience just barely starts. Because his patience is so much higher than my patience and your patience. Some of you may be upset with God about his patience towards somebody, maybe your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, somebody who has been giving you a hard time and you 
are fed up with them, and you say, "God, just send fire to burn them right now." They're so mean to me. They just torture me, burn my mother-in-law. No, I'm kidding. I'm mad at her, and you are fed up with that person. But God still putting up with that person. Actually, you should rather be glad that God has been putting up with that person, because His patient and long suffering for them is for you as well. If He's not patient with them, He's not going to be patient with you either. And that's why he wait and wait until we repent before we perish, before we get into destruction, death, and corruption. Before we go on, I want to give you some background. The Bible says clearly that we have the enemy of our soul, Satan, the devil, to come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. The Bible says clearly, sin and disobedience to God, rebellion against God, will bring corruption, death. And destruction, and this happened all over the world right now. All the bad things happen in the world. It's not God's will. Many bad things. It's man's choice to sin against Him. I know this is very good sermon. You like to hear the word sin, the word repentance. Oh, you say, thank you, Pastor, to talk about this subject. It's very popular in America talking about sin and repentance. If we have a seminar called Repentance and Sin, I believe no one show up. If we have a seminar called Prosperity, how to become the manager and successful, everyone show up. But when we talk about sin and repentance, no one want to come. How many people do you think it is God's will for them to perish? Zero. The Bible say. Not willing that any should, any should perish. God doesn't want anybody to perish or to be destroyed. But are there people out there that has been destroyed? Yes, because people have freedom of choices. It's not God's will for us to perish either. So that's why we need to choose the way to victory. We have two choices: the way to victory. Or the way to perishing, or the way to destruction. My job as a pastor is to teach you the way to victory, and you make your own choice. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You learn and you make your own choice. Luke chapter 13 verse 3 confirm Second Peter 3:9. This is the word from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, no, but unless you repent. You will all likewise perish. Second Peter three nine was talking to the believers, not just non-believer. Okay, a lot of people say Second Peter three nine is for the non-believer. Yes, non-believer who don't know God, they are living in sin. They're gonna perish. Yes, but believer can live in sin too, and if we don't repent, we will all likewise perish. Repentance is the way to victory. It's the way to come out from perishing. It's the way to come out from being destroyed, being consumed. But unfortunately, the word repentance is not very, very popular in the church today. We like to hear the word champion, the word victory, the God bless you, abundance and and prosperity. But when we talk about repentance, people have a negative view 
against the word repentance. Let me ask this question before I go on. Not is not perishing a good word, a good thing. Not perishing is it a good thing? Good. Repentance is the way to not perish. So is repentance good? Should we view the word repentance in a positive way? Yes, because repentance is the way out from perishing. The way out of perishing. Amen? Many people in the world right now are perishing physically, mentally, financially, family, relationship, spiritually. They are perishing because they don't want to repent. Because they still go on into the lifestyle of sin. Let's look at another passage in the Bible that talk about repentance or the way to victory. Second Timothy 2.24 And a servant of the Lord. You are the servant of the Lord. You are the believer. Everyone is a priest unto the Lord. We serve God. And a servant of the Lord, including New Hope International Church members, must not quarrel but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. King James Version said, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Talking about the servant of the Lord, try to help people to come out from perishing, to go into the way of victory. You try to talk to your unbelieving friend, talk to the brother and sister who are going downhill, getting into trouble because they are living in sin. And the Bible says, when you go and talk to these people, as a servant of God, we must not get into coloring or strife or fighting or harsh words or yelling or being upset. If you do that, you get upset, you yell, you use harsh words, you are missing it because you are yielding to the wrong spirit. And you're going to turn people away from you and they will not listen to you. So God said, be kind and be gentle. James chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible says, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When you get upset, you yell, you get harsh, you really get into emotion and get mad at people, the wrath of man will not produce righteousness. So be calm, be gentle. If you feel that you start to get upset, pull back, shut your mouth, and don't say anything and smile. Amen? Don't be harsh on people. Use bad words to people. Why does God say that? Because God cannot force anybody to do anything anyway. We all have freedom of choice. Pastor Lao and Pastor Da, the pastor of this church, cannot tell you what to do. You have your own choice. What you're going to do with your life. We are not the herd or the flock driver. We are the example. We are leading people by example. Jesus lead me by his example. I look at his example and I follow him out of my own devotion. Jesus never forces me. I follow him out of my own love and the fear of God. In the same way, as a servant of God, when you try to help your unsaved, loved ones or your Christian friends who are getting into trouble, going downhill because they get into wrong direction. They're going to perish in the future. That's what I'm talking about, that email that I sent to Europe that, hey, I think you make a wrong choice. But I was gentle to this person writing 
to help her think what is the right way to save her kids in the future, not to be backsliders. So the chief shepherd of our soul will never force us to do anything. He just gives us the truth. I, as a human being, and you, as a human being, cannot force anybody. But this is the fact of life. It's dangerous not to have a good shepherd because the nature of the sheep is lack of self-defense. If you are a Christian who go out there floating around, uncommitted to any church, no good shepherd over you, and the shepherd of Jesus, the pastor over you. You are in a very dangerous zone because we have the predators out there, the devil and evil spirit, looking for the chance to devour the sheep that cannot help themselves. I've been a Christian for 30 plus years. I've seen so many people have been devoured by the devil because they're so rebellious and they're just so prideful. When we correct them, they run away from the church and they get out of the flock and they get into big trouble. Because they are not in the protection. But even in the flock like this, in the church, the pastor cannot tell you what to do anyway. You can marry whatever who you want. You can make, do, do whatever with your money. You can do what, whatever with your time. I cannot force you to do anything. My job is to train you, teach you, and to be example to you. But it's your own choice to choose the way to victory or to choose the way to perishing. It's your own choice. That's why we need to be careful of not offending people, of pushing people out, and they will not listen to our, word, our words of warning and the word of truth. Psalm chapter 63, verse 8 say, My soul follows close behind you. You mean Jesus, oh God. Your right hand upholds me. I like King James Version. My soul followeth. Heart after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. So every Christian should follow the chief shepherd and the under shepherd. You follow so closely, so closely. The Bible says close behind you. To the point that when Jesus stopped suddenly, your nose hit his back. Hmm. And you say, Jesus, why don't you tell me you can stop? Because I follow so close to you. And Jesus is not on earth, so Jesus set up the chief, the under-shepherd like me and pastor in this church to lead you for him. We are not the owner of your life. We are just working for him to lead you to him. So you need to be in the flock to be protected, and you need to follow the shepherd closely because otherwise out there, you're going to be bitten. You're going to be destroyed by the enemy. He is ready to destroy you anytime. Amen? 2 Timothy 2, 25-26 In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance. God work in their heart and give them the gift of repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. Everyone says snares. People are under captivity. The devil come and try to kill, to destroy, by putting the, the bondage and captivity around a person. Having been taken captive by the devil, by him, to do his will. This scripture again, talking about 
the way to preaching. That is the way of the devil, the way of darkness. If people are blinded and they follow the devil, the devil will put captivity on, put them in the snare, in the trap, in his trap, so that that person will eventually be totally destroyed. And how this Christian can get out of that traps or that snare into the way of victory, back to victory. The Bible say repentance, the gift of repentance. God has to grant them repentance, but we need, as a representative of God, when we talk to them, we need to talk to them nicely, gently, humbly, lovingly, not quarrel, not fighting, not in strife. And not only that, the second one is the knowledge of the truth. The Bible say, grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. So you can see the way to victory is number one, repentance. No, you are wrong. You need to repent. Two, you need to know the truth. Sometime, the devil talked to me. Hey, guy, you read the scripture too much in your sermon. You just should be inspirational preacher. Just come up and give in a lot of encouragement and don't read too much scripture. And the Holy Spirit told me, you need to read a lot of scripture because people need to know the truth. Because the truth, the knowledge of the truth shall set them free and will get them out from the snare of the devil. Amen? So we need to know the truth and we need to be gentle because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 21, the wise in heart will be called prudent. And sweetness of the lips increases learning. As a servant of God, when you want to help your mom, your dad, your relative to come out from preaching and to walk into the victory, you need to be gentle, kindness, and respectful. Because when you are sweet and kind and gentle, they will open their ears to learn from you more than if you just being harsh and rude and yelling. Being gentle is the way to help people to listen to the truth of God. Amen? In NLT, 2 Timothy 2.26 said, Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. Do you think, are there people out there are in the devil's trap right now? Do you think that you may be one of them that is in the devil's trap right now in certain area of your life and you may not even know it? We need God's help to come out from that trap, from that snare to get back into the victory. Amen? Now we continue to learn. This is a heavy subject. I know that. First Corinthians 10, 13. Are you okay? You like this? Okay, I love you. That's why I teach very strong message today. First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, will also make the way of escape. We're talking about the way to victory. God give us the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Every Christian, every human being on earth will encounter 
different kinds of temptations. We all, including the pastor and the most holy man and woman on earth, will face temptations. No one can be exempt from it. Everybody. You should never say, "Nobody understand what I'm going through right now in this trial." You should not say that because the Bible say your trial, your temptation that you have right now, are common to men. Millions of people out there in the world, in these many generations, in in all these thousand of years, have gone through similar thing that you're going through right now. Temptation are common to everybody, and we all go through similar things. Amen. This is a problem of many many Christians. Many Christians quote the Bible this way: God will never put on you the temptation. Be above you can bear. Is it the right sentence? Right doctrine. God will never put on you temptations above you can bear. No. Who gives you temptation? The devil, not God. But the Bible says God allows. The one who is attacking you is not God. God is not your problem. God is not your enemy. God is not the one who brings difficulties to you. The devil on earth here, in this earthly realm, is the one who gives you temptation, who try to lure you and pull you into sin, so that he can destroy you. Because sin will lead to death and destruction. Therefore, we need to know that it's not God who try to destroy us, but it's the devil. And when we yield to the temptation, then we sin against God, and then we're gonna get into the traps of the enemy. Amen. One translation say this way: Remember this: wrong desires that come into your life are not anything new and different. The devil attack you and tempt you through your mind, to your feelings, and to your desires. He will play with your thinking. Come in all the time. The thinking, the the thoughts, the negative thoughts, the evil thoughts, the ungodly thoughts come to you. He will deal with your feelings. He will deal with your desire. Everybody, even the most powerful preacher in the world, have to go through some wrong desire, wrong thoughts. But having the wrong thought is sin yet, not yet. You can have a wrong thought. You can have a wrong desire come pop up in your mind, have a wrong feeling, start to feel like, oh, I want to quit being a pastor. The feeling is it a sin yet to have that negative feeling or negative thoughts, ungodly thought and desire? No, it's not a sin yet. But once you yield to it and start to step out to do it, then you sin against God. So have a wrong thought, have a wrong desire and a wrong feeling. It's just a temptation. You have the choices. You choose to yield to it, or you choose to overcome it and just beat it, like a karate man. Beat it, knock it down, and you say, "I'm not gonna yield to this temptation, the evil, ungodly thoughts, ungodly feelings." This is the truth from First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation. To you and me is irresistible. You can resist any temptation. 
Don't listen to the lie of the enemy who say, "Oh, you're so weak, you cannot resist getting drunk, watching pornography, cheating money, sexual immorality. You are too weak to resist all those things." It's a lie, because God already said, "No temptation that come to you is above you can handle." You can handle every temptation. He will not allow any temptation is too big for you to handle. So every temptation that come to you, you say, "I'm gonna beat it. I'm gonna resist it." I remember when I was about 20 years old. I was practice taekwondo, practicing taekwondo. I got into the first degree black belt, and my boss sent me to northeast of Thailand into the tournament. And in that tournament, I was a lightweight guy. I was only maybe 120 pounds, and the range of lightweight is 110 to 180 pounds. So I'm at the lower one. And at that time, there was a Vietnam War. So a lot of American soldiers were there in that city fighting Vietnam War. And these people all play taekwondo because they want to fight in the battle. And I walk out. The first guy that I fight with is a big American gentleman. Huge, 180 pounds, and I'm 120. And I look at him like this. I have two choices. My boss look at me. Beat him. Beat him. And I say, yeah, beat him. <laughs> wow, it's not easy to beat this guy. He's, he's, he's a soldier, American soldier, big muscle, big chest. I'm just a thin guy, bookworm. Study hard, I'm just, he looked like a King Kong, actually. He looked like, come to me. And I would look at him and, oh, wow. And then something come up in my mind. You have to move fast so that he cannot touch you because I'm small. I need to use fast movement because he's bigger. He cannot move fast. I'm smaller. I can move fast. So I move very fast. I won him. I beat him up. So when the devil sends you something in the ring and you have to fight, you must have this attitude. Nothing is irresistible for me. I'm going to beat this temptation. I'm going to overcome this temptation because this is the way out of perishing. If I yield, I will perish. But I will resist because God said in the Bible, I will give you the way of escape. In other words, when you make a decision to fight against that temptation, He will give you enough grace, enough help. Maybe He sent people to come and talk to you. This happened to me many times. I love to listen to good sermon around the world. And when I listen to the sermon, some sermon I jotted down what I learned. I listen in February something, and then by May, a temptation comes. And I say, thank God. I listened to that sermon three months beforehand. And now I know how to handle it. God already gave me the way of escape beforehand. He loved me. He allowed me to go through that temptation, but He gave me the way out. He gave me the way of escape beforehand. He loved me. He sent people to encourage me. He Send people to talk to me or email me or call me or I read the book. Lately, Pastor Dar read one book. Wow, that book really ministered to her and helped her to overcome the temptation. 
God knows how to help you. The way to victory, the way of escape. Who provide you the way of escape? Who give you the gift of repentance? Who give you the way of escape? What do you need to do? Make a decision. That's why God spoke to Joshua. You choose today. You choose life or death. You choose the blessing or the cursing. Whose choice is that? You and me. God cannot force us to do anything. We must make a choice. Choose the blessing. How many people want the blessing? How many people want the cursing? I want to perform brain transplant for you. If you raise your hand. How many people want life? Choose life. How many people choose death? No. We make a choice. Amen. Okay. Wow, the time. As a child of God, greater one who is in us than the one who is in the world. So if you make a choice not to yield to the temptation, you can always win because the power on the inside of you greater than the devil. You have the greater one in you. If you say no to the temptation, he will give you power. He will help you not to yield to temptation and sin against God. And you can get out from that trap as soon as possible. And you can get into the way of victory. The devil is so cunning. The way that he tried to destroy God's people, you know, many people. I noticed today, people love to watch YouTube and watch teaching in the internet. It was everywhere, internet teaching everywhere, including our church. We put the teaching in the internet too. But the devil is so cunning. He knows that many Christians are hungry to hear the word of God, to hear some good teaching. So he produced false teachers. Who twisted the Bible and lied to the body of Christ to destroy the body of Christ? This is the comment that sometimes Christians quote: "They are true, but they are partially true. There is therefore now no condemnation." And stop. We are not under the law, but under grace. Stop. For by grace you have been saved. Stop. All these quote, quoting half scripture are for the reason to yield to the temptation. There are teachers in the body of Christ who say, "You are under grace. By grace you have been saved. You don't need to repent anymore. You don't need to confess your sin. Now no condemnation." So even though you cheat your wife, you commit adultery, you cheat money in your company, steal stuff from your company, that's okay. No condemnation in Christ Jesus. You are under grace now. You can sin whatever you want. You can sin. You can shoot people and kill people. I talked to one Christian in Thailand who believed in this doctrine, and I asked this man, "If you go out and pull a gun and shoot people, do you think God is happy?" Yeah, God is happy. Because I'm under grace, I am under grace. It's a lie of hell to get you into sin so that you can be destroyed. Because all this comment, all this quoting, are just only half of the scripture. They don't want to talk about the other second half of the scripture. Because if you quote the other second half, you should not sin. 
period. But they cut the second half off. I'm under grace. I'm not under the law, so I don't need to obey the law. I can do whatever I want by grace. I have been saved, so I depend on the grace of God. But they stop there. So now I'm going to explain to you the full message of the gospel. Ephesians two four to nine. I may not be able to go that long, but I try to teach you the most I can and come back another Sunday. I will not tell you which Sunday, so you will not disappear. Ephesians two four nine. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, and raised us up together, and make us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And now come to verse eight and nine. For by grace you have been saved, and then continue through faith. Faith without deeds is dead. True, true, T R U E. Faith. Must follow by action of obedience to God, who is the master of our life, and that of not yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works. You are not saved by works, lest anyone should boast. The Bible said, "For by grace you are saved," but it doesn't stop there. Through faith. Okay, we are saved by two things. By grace and through faith. Whose grace is that? God's grace. Is that right? He showed His grace by sending Jesus to die for us, shedding His blood. He showed His grace by putting the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, who strengthen us, who give us power to be able to say no to sin. That is the grace of God. The grace of God is not a ticket to go to heaven. You could do, you can do whatever you want, and you pull out the ticket. Yeah, I kill people, I commit adultery, but I go to heaven anyway. This is the ticket. No, the grace of God is the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Holy Spirit, not evil spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will not lead you to do evil things. He will lead you to do only holy things. Okay. Whose grace? Answer one more time. Whose grace? True faith. Whose faith? Huh? Whose faith? Our faith. So, what part do we need to work on? Faith. Is that right? Grace is God's responsibility. Faith is your and my responsibility. So, if you want to be saved, you need to work on faith. Faith that God exists. Faith that God is gracious. Faith that God is good and holy. Faith is that God keep His promises. Faith that God is holy, and He say, "I am holy; ye shall be holy." Faith, He say that if you obey My word, you shall be blessed. The blessing of Abraham will come upon you. Faith to say to faith that Jesus carry our curses on the tree, so that we might have the blessing of Abraham through the promise of the Spirit. Faith that lead us to do the right thing. Not evil thing. God call us to do good things, not evil things. 
What part do we need to work on? Faith. Is that right? And actually, the Bible does not say the just shall live by grace. Habakkuk chapter 2, 4, Romans chapter 1, 17, Galatians 3, 11, and Hebrews 10, 38 say, the just shall live by faith. You are called the just or the righteous because you walk by faith. And faith without action is dead. It's not the true faith. If I call myself Christians and I say I love God, but I never show up on Sunday, I never listen to the sermon and read the Bible and repent. I'm not a true Christian because my faith is dead. You know, demons believe that Jesus is God too. But do they obey? Do they have action of obedience to the Lord, to the Master? No. The devil believed too that Jesus is the Son of the living God. He believed. But that is not the real faith. The real faith followed by action. Think about this. If we are saved by grace alone, everyone on this planet Earth, including the blasphemy, including those who worship Satan, satanic worshippers, will be saved. Because the grace of God extended to all mankind. But it's not only by grace alone. You must have faith. And faith will produce action of obedience. Therefore, not everybody on earth, on this planet, is saved. Grace is for everybody, but not everybody is saved because in order to get salvation, you need to have faith. How are we going to have victory? What is the way to victory? We learn about repentance. We learn that we need to have the knowledge of the truth. First John chapter 5, verse 4. When we talk about salvation, when I was a new believer, I think salvation means I will not go to hell, I will go to heaven. God saved me from sin and bondage. That's my very shallow belief, shallow understanding of the Word of God. Now, I have been a Christian for 30 years, plus I understand salvation includes everything. Save me from financial trouble. Save me from marriage breaking down. Save my kids from being drug addict. Save me from accident, save me from sickness and disease, save me from curses and attack of the enemy. All kind of salvation. What gives us victory and salvation? First John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is the way to victory? Repentance, knowledge of the truth, and our faith is not enough just to quote the gospel of grace. By grace, I am saved. It's a false doctrine. You need to do your part. You need to have faith in the command of God, in the holiness of God. And you need to take your faith in actions. When God says, don't lie, you don't lie. That is true faith. When God said, don't commit adultery, don't lie with another person's wife, you don't do it. That is true faith. Amen? Therefore, when you listen to the teaching in the internet, you have to be careful because sometimes people want to tickle your ear so that you will like them. 
So they will say, you know, actually, it's interesting in this generation. A lot of people love this kind of teaching. They don't like my teaching. It's too hard. But the way to heaven is a narrow gate, narrow way. People don't like this narrow way, this truth that talk exactly what the Bible say. They want that you to be tickled and oh yeah, I can do it. now. I can miss church. I can do whatever I want. I can cheat. I can just relax. I don't need to repent anymore. That is the false teaching, and they're gonna perish one day because they go into sin and they don't even know. Amen. Everyone says sin is yucky. Sin is bad. Sin is like cancer. How many people have seen cancer in your life? Maybe you never, because you are not a doctor. I have seen brain cancer. When I open the brain and I see the cancer, look jacky, very vascular, very infiltrative, very destructive. And when I see those cancer, I feel like this is sin. This is like sin in your body, in your life that's gonna destroy and kill you. So you have to take this seriously. Take the issue of sin seriously because it's going to destroy you. Amen? Oh, everyone loves this teaching very much. Pokemon. You know, today many preachers try to avoid the word sin. They use the word mistake, failure. Everyone try to avoid the word sin in the church because it could be offensive. Hey, the Bible says so. Let's say it. Don't have to go around the bush. Amen? Do you want to be a biblical Christian or not? Okay. Biblical Christian. Amen? I'm going to end this sermon and continue next time. Continue the second part, the way to victory. Everything we receive from God come by His grace. Either financial provision, healing, love, protection. This morning I pray for one of my patients. Very difficult case. Not dangerous, but difficult to treat. You are the pastor. Could you pray for my husband? I lay hand on him, and I say, Father, this is a difficult situation for a doctor like me to handle. Could you please give grace to this man that the leak of the spinal fluid shall stop in his brain, and it will stop by your grace in Jesus' name. I pull my hand out. They both have tears in their eyes. They know that they are in a difficult situation. Even the doctor shook his head and said, this is tough. I don't know how to handle this. The grace, the healing, the miracle come by grace. But we receive that grace through faith. We must have faith that God can do it. We must have faith that when we obey Him, we will have victory. Amen? Faith in God affects our relationship with Him. Next time, I'm going to teach you why it's so important to have faith and obedience. Because it will affect your prayer. You remember the Bible say, the prayer of the righteous man avails much. How you can become righteous man? Not because you follow all the law in the Bible. No one can follow every law in the Bible, including me. I'm still a human being. I make mistakes. But I'm counted as righteous in the eyes of God because I have faith. In order to be called a righteous man, in order for your prayer 
to be answered, in order to have victory in your life, you must be the just who walked by faith. Faith is the way to victory. Repentance is the way to victory. Receiving the knowledge of the truth is the way to victory. That's a summary today. Next time we go on more to learn from the book of Romans, chapter six, seven, and eight, the way to victory. Is it too heavy subject for you? How many are gonna put this into practice? So from now on, if you listen to any sermon, reading the Bible, and or reading any Christian book, and then the word convict you to repent about some issue in your life, will you repent? When I repented, I get into victory. I give you two examples. When I just moved to the U.S., I was so discriminated by American doctors here because I spoke with accent. I'm from Thailand. Everyone tortured me at Harborview Hospital. I was so mad. I want to retaliate. I'm a third-degree black belt. Oh, this big American doctor, I can beat them up. But then God told me, repent. You need to love them. I did repent. When they walk by, they don't want to even look at me. They just, this Asian doctor, speak with thick accent. I smile. Hi. When they need help, I help them the, mo- the utmost, the best I can. Within only six months, because I repent of my sin, not to hold grudges against them, they all become my friend, and they all love me. I become very popular at Harborview Hospital within six months. The way to victory is repentance. When I started the church, I was imbalanced. I worked so hard for the church, and I forget about my wife. I ignored my wife for a long time, for many years, to the point that our marriage almost broke down. Even though I did a good thing, being a pastor, and eventually God woke me up. Son, you are wrong. The ministry is not as important as your marriage. You need to repent. I repented, and God saved my family. The way to victory is to acknowledge the truth, repent, and believe that God can save you when you turn around. You obey Him in your action. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you so much for teaching your people the way to victory, Lord. We learn from your scripture. We know, Lord, we are living in this world that is full of darkness and attacks, temptations and curses, death, sin, And we can see that in Paris at this moment, Lord. The people die, Lord, every day in this planet Earth. We live by grace. We depend on your protection. Because the same thing that happened in Paris can happen in America, in Seattle area too. But we depend on your protection. And we don't want to be, we we don't want to perish, Lord. We want to be protected and walk into victory. Therefore, we can apply what we learned today. We're going to repent every day easily. Repentance is a good word for us, Lord, in this church. Not perishing is a good thing, Lord. And we pray, Father, that we all will be diligent in getting into the knowledge of the truth so that we will not make mistakes 
and we will walk by faith. We will do our part, have faith and obedience toward you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. If you are not a Christian yet, I want to encourage you to receive Jesus into your life, into your heart right now. Or if you call yourself Christian, but you notice that you have been backsliding, you walk away from the way of God, I would like to encourage you to come back home, come back to God, pray with me, okay, and ask God to really forgive you and help you, and start to walk with Him daily. I like to lead you to prayer right now. Close your eyes. And talk to God, Father in heaven. I repent of my sin. I want Your way, Lord. I choose life. I choose the blessing. Therefore, today, I believe in my heart, and I invite Jesus Christ into my life. As the Lord and my Savior, Lord Jesus, sit on the throne of my life. From today on, I will follow you closely. I will be in your flock. I will choose the way to victory. I shall repent every day. I will get. The knowledge of the truth, and I will walk by faith. I shall be the just who walks by faith. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me, saving me, helping me, protecting me, healing me, providing for me. You are my Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at two zero six two seven five one zero four two. You may also visit our website online at www. NewHopeInternationalChurch.com. I'm so thirsty.
Yeah.